I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. Uh, today's pod's going to be a little bit different. McKellie's usually with me, and he is. He's going to be on the second half of the show. I asked for Twitter questions yesterday, and I wanted to get on here and answer some of those. We really didn't get to many of them. I think we answered maybe two or three. We also brought up Fred Katz's question, which is great, so stay tuned for that. You haven't seen it yet, uh, but I thought I'd hop on here and answer as many questions as I can. Uh, just a heads up, the sound quality on the part with Michele is less than stellar, both my fault, um, and also Michele's on the road in his car driving through Milan, which is one, that sounds really cool. Um, so I don't know if you've ever listened to a Thunder podcast of someone driving through Milan, so that's something you only get here on Down to Dunk, but I thought I'd hop on here and answer some questions, so uh, let's get to it. This one is from uh, my good friend, Ben Elephant King. He asks, why do we keep hearing uh, about a buyout on the Chris Paul deal? Is this even possible? Do people expect OKC to throw $100 million in the toilet? No, it's the dumbest thing ever. The Thunder are not going to buy out Chris Paul, the wave and stretch stuff. All that stuff is just not even a real possibility because you can't have that much dead weight on your salary cap anyways. It's actually against the league rules. And so anything that you see of, well, will Chris Paul take a buyout to go play for a contender? It, It's coming from people that don't understand the rules. So ignore them. Ignore all that stuff. Another one from Ben Elephant King. The national narrative seems to be that OKC doesn't have anything left on its roster. I feel we have pieces that could be helpful to other teams, and if combined with picks, might bring back young talent. What's the hierarchy of trade value on the Thunder? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously the Thunder do have talent. People talk about like a complete teardown, complete rebuild, and they're on their way to that, but they're not there yet. I mean, Chris Paul, as much as I don't like him as a player, a person, any of that, like he's going to help somebody. And... I think that he could help Miami. I think that Minnesota is a candidate. I think that there's a few others that might want Chris Paul. And if basically to me, if you can do a, a an even salary swap with them, I think that's a win. If you're able to kind of break up the money, like if you got Goran Dragic back, like to me, that's enough of an asset to move on and feel okay about it. Um, now, to get a pick back, I I think that you would have to include something of value to the other team. I mean, like a, like a Terrence Ferguson, if the Thunder are willing to put him in the deal. I don't think they are. but And also, I mean, they may have to include a pick. And so that's where that Denver pick might become a little bit more valuable, is if, like, you can have it now. Like, you can have that asset now, um, and that might work. And it's we like Denver's going to be one of the best teams in the league this year. So that is a pick that's around 25 to 30, in my opinion. And so would you be willing to give that up in order to get back a Chris Paul or not get back Chris, give Chris Paul's contract away, get back a Goran Dragic that you could then flip for another young asset or even potentially another first round pick. So to me, that kind of swap makes sense. Um, as far as like, valuable pieces like i mean sga is very valuable the thunder aren't going to trade him but 
a guy that has trade value. SGA's got tremendous trade value. And then Steven Adams, I think that he still has some positive trade value. I don't think he has enough to trade. But like he's going to those two on their own are going to keep the team from being just abysmal. Like both those guys are good. I think Terrence Ferguson's a good player. He's still really young. I think Javier Diallo's got potential. So they've got guys and, and Dennis Schroeder, like he's a, a forgotten piece that's on the Thunder. He's a guy that's going to be able to play. And so it'll be interesting moving forward uh, to see where the Thunder are at with the pieces that they've got. They're going to win 25, 30 games probably, which is obviously not a great thing. But they're not bottom of the barrel like 19 wins. They're not that bad. Next question comes from at Jared KW13. What assets, if any, would you be willing to give up in a Chris Paul trade? I mentioned this briefly. Like I'd give up the tw- the pick in the 20s from Denver to get rid of Chris Paul's contract. Uh, to me, he's not a player or a contract that you want on a rebuilding team. If you could get back Dion Waiters and Kelly Olenek or players like that that just have one or two years left on their deal, Myers Leonard, like that's great. And I might even be willing to give up another asset to get back Justice Winslow. And you just never know with Sam. I just... The the pick that came back to Oklahoma City in the, the deal to acquire Doug McDermott and Todd Gibson for Cameron Payne was insane. And so you just don't know. You don't know what kind of negotiations that Sam will have, but... To me, you might have to give up that 20th pick in order to get back salaries. And I think I would not be surprised if Sam ends up with Justice Winslow or at least tries to acquire Justice Winslow. I think it makes sense to do that uh, for this team. He's a he's a, on a good contract. He's a good player. He kind of fits the style of the way they want to play. Good defender. He can pass it. He can shoot at some from three. He's still not a great shooter overall because he struggles from the line. But again, the Thunder have a lot of experience with that, so it would be a very familiar feeling uh, for Thunder fans to watch Justice Winslow play. Uh, from at 405 fan, I hear justification for not going all in tank, and I don't see it. Long term, it's better to have multiple top five picks or multiple picks in the teens. For the Thunder, really, I think bottoming out is really the way to go. Because the the justification for not bottoming out, for a team like the Clippers, like the Clippers didn't bottom out. They remained a good team, but they're in Los Angeles. And they had players that were very specifically interested in the Clippers in Kawhi and Paul George. And the Thunder aren't going to have very specific superstars that are on expiring contracts, or in the case of Paul George, very impressionable, that can join your team. So to me, the Thunder's best avenue to becoming good again is there's two ways is you trade for a young star that's on a longer controllable contract uh, and I think the two guys that stick out the most and you may not think of these guys as superstars and they may not be and so they may not be worth dealing for but it's Carl Towns and it's Devin Booker to me those are the two guys that are in not great situations in the Western Conference on teams that don't appear to have a great long-term future and they may be available at some point so you trade for one of those guys, that's route number one. Route number two is you draft them yourself. And that is a tough thing to do, but when you have 15 picks, and I would guess that they might have end up with more than that over the course of the next seven years, you give yourself a chance. 
and you can package those picks in order to move up in the draft. We saw uh, the Sixers do that. Uh, they ended up being extremely unsuccessful with Marco Fultz, so you just don't know what you're getting. You know, if, if that was the Thunder in that position, they draft Marco Fultz, we're all just dancing in the streets. But you, again, you just don't know who these guys are or what they're going to be. And the Thunder, I mean, you have to remember, the Thunder never picked at number one, you know, in this whole tenure, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about with the amount of talent that they had. But you don't have to be picking one to get the best talent. You just have to have the best talent evaluators. And the Thunder have done a good job of that at the top of the draft. Uh, they haven't they haven't missed when they're up that high. You know, they miss on a Cole Aldrich, who's later in the lottery. But, like, the further back you go, the more of a crapshoot it is. And so, I think, and even at the top, you're not guaranteed anything, but it's a little bit easier to pick from the best players. Uh, you also have to be picking in the right draft. You know, I mean, you, everyone wants to point to Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett wasn't supposed to be the number one pick anyways, but still, that draft in particular was not great at the top. They did have Victor Oladipo, who the Thunder loved, who I assume the Thunder would have picked at one, which may have turned out great for them. But still... It's all kind of a crapshoot when it comes down to it. But I do think the long-term best thing for this team is to be in the top 10 or the top 5 if possible. And the flattened lottery odds helps because I don't think the Thunder are going to be one of the very worst teams in the league. I think the Eastern Conference is going to hold a lot of those teams. Uh, and so it's better for the Thunder if they maybe have the 6th or 7th best odds. Like you end up at 1 or 2. Like that's very possible. Next question is from John M. Littleton. And John wants to know, will the pain slash sadness ever stop? Uh, It will. It will, John. Hang in there. Stay strong. And honestly, the rebuild is going to be kind of fun. So you just got to embrace it. Ride the storm or whatever tagline you want to use. Uh, In fact, like send me your guys' favorite taglines for uh, the Thunder. Uh, for this rebuild, because I think that's an important, an important thing, and should not be developed just overnight. Like we've got to really think hard about this, and then maybe going into the season, figure this out. Uh, this is from at J L C H underscore. Favorite Andy's flavor, right now. If you can get and this, these Andy's doesn't pay me anymore, but I I truly love it. The blackberry concrete, it's unreal. If you have any interest in blackberries, you got to go get it. It's unreal. Uh, this is from at NZ Thunder Guy. Is it now safe to listen to all national podcasts? Hashtag so many picks. I think so. I, I think that people like the direction the Thunder are moving in. I think that they're impressed with what Sam Presti has done. So if you want to hear a lot about that, I think that you'll hear a lot about that. From at EC1800, what is a realistic package for Chris Paul? The Heat fan base believes that we should apply first-round picks, multiple first-round picks to Chris Paul, and take back bad contracts that are not expiring. Um, you know, I think it's a tough question to answer because I think that it's going to going to vary on what team you talk to. But I think that there's a few trades that make sense, and I'll talk with Alex more about this on Wednesday. Uh, I think Orlando could use a point guard, obviously. And 
a way to get there salary wise is if you sent they sent back Evan Fournier, Markel Fultz, DJ Augustine, and you send back Chris Paul, and then possibly that that pick from Denver. I think that that's a kind of deal that makes sense. Again, I get, this is the second time I mentioned Markel Fultz, and it's sad, but he's an, he's at least interesting. I he makes a lot of money. Like you think about him, oh, he's on his rookie scale deal. He makes ten million dollars. But if you can break that up, Evan Fournier is a year less than Chris Paul at a number that's seventeen million. It's a little bit more feasible, and he may be a guy that you could flip later, maybe not for a first-round pick, for maybe a decent second or a young player or something. Um, DJ Augustine's on an expiring deal. This just kind of helps ease the cap hit of the Chris Paul deal, and you get a chance to take a look at Markel Fultz. What is he? Is he a guy that's just going to be a media story and nothing else? Possibly. But I think that's at least an interesting deal. Uh I think a package surrounding Jeff Teague and Gorgie Jang, it doesn't quite get you there, but I think there's some tweaks that can be made on both sides to get uh, the teams to the right number. But I, those are Jeff Teague's expiring at 19 million. Jang has a, another year at about 16, between 16, and 17 million. I think it's worth. I think it's worth it, and that's such a clean swap where you just say, "Hey, Minnesota, you're going to get a good point guard." to pair with Towns that's going to play the right way. He's going to play defense. He's going to yell at everybody. Um, I think that's at least interesting. I think you could call Dallas and say, would you trade Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee for Chris Paul? That's a deal that works. And I think that if you're the Thunder, you do that. Courtney Lee's on a $12.7 million expiring contract. You have Tim Hardaway for another year at $20 million, which really hurts because I don't like Tim Hardaway Jr. at all. But he can at least score and look good, and he may be somebody that you could flip down the line and, and trick him into thinking that he could be a really great scorer off the bench or something. And uh, that's an easier way to break up the contract. And Dallas gets a good player in return that could help Luka, and they want to make a playoff push. Like Chris Paul is going to help you a lot more than Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee. Oh, and the Thunder finally get Courtney Lee. How about that? Uh, and then I think the Spurs are interesting. I would rather build with the young point guards that they have and Derek White and DeJounte Murray, but maybe they want to add Chris Paul to the mix. You could trade Chris Paul and Patterson for Jamar DeRozan and Patty Mills, uh, which would save the Thunder a little bit of money. DeRozan is basically an expiring contract. I would be shocked if he did not want to become a free agent next summer in a summer where there's hardly any good free agents. Uh, and then Patty Mills is just an interesting player to have around. If you're the Spurs, obviously you get a Chris Paul, and uh, you have Patrick Patterson, who will probably be awesome for the Spurs because he just seems like a guy that would end up being good for them. And then we've already talked about Miami deals. So to me, those are some deals for Chris Paul that make sense. Uh, I'd like to bounce those off of Alex uh, and have him maybe embarrass me <laughs> about how bad some of those are. Uh, but I think that those are at least um, pretty interesting. A um, little, little bit of a shams bomb. We don't sham wow. I don't know what you call it. Sham. I guess it would be a sham wow. Uh, two teams that are strongly pursuing Andre Iguodala still are the Rockets and the Clippers. I'm told both teams to be at a standstill. I've also heard the Denver. It was in the mix, and maybe they may not, may not be with the Jeremy Grant deal, but. An interesting watch for those two 
Next question comes from at Nicholas87. Should Adams just shoot threes all the time this season since we don't care if we win? I don't know if he should shoot them all the time, but if he took three a game, like, I'm all for that. Like, let's get crazy. Let's get weird. Next question from at the underscore uncontested. When will it stop hurting? You know, got to rip the Band-Aid off right now, guys. Just rip it off. Embrace this young Thunder squad. Think whenever we get rid of Chris Paul, the hurting will stop. Because it still hurts a little bit that Chris Paul um, could even possibly wear a Thunder jersey. I'm just out on any any possibility of that actually happening. Uh, from at Neil Bula. Which young players do you see us developing long-term, how we did with Adams, versus keeping short-term and flipping for an asset like Sabonis? I think it's really hard to tell because it just depends on the opportunity. I think the Thunder were going to be content moving forward with Domas. Uh, They loved him. They absolutely loved him in the draft process. I think that he's a guy that they kind of hoped would stick around long-term, but then when you had the the option of getting Paul George, you just had to do it. And so it just depends. I mean, I would guess that Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA, will stick around long-term. But if they have the opportunity to get somebody that's much better than him, I mean, you do it. And so I just it just depends on the opportunities. It depends on the timing of everything. Uh, I would guess SGA is a part of that. And then beyond that, I don't think there's any guys that they're just completely just sold on we're going to develop them this is our guy I think probably Ferguson is the closest thing to that but I wouldn't I wouldn't count on any of that I think everything's on the table at this point and SGA is probably the guy if you're looking at any of them as a guy that they want to build around for the long term I think that he's probably the guy this is from at Chris Lemons underscore OU heard some talk about Hami playing the three he seems a little small to play there yeah, I mean, honestly, if he plays the three, it's just to get him on the court. It's not – this team, you can't just conceptualize him so much to say, like, he's a one, he's a two, he's a three, he's a four, he's a five. Like, that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter quite as much. The Thunder obviously have the the five position locked down, but, like, if Hami and Deontay and Ferguson are all on the court, like, who knows? They could, they'll probably play together this season – and who cares who's what position, you know? Like, they're going to be small at some positions, and they're going to be bigger at some. Like, it just, honestly, it doesn't matter. Um, because the goal is to develop those guys and to make those guys the best players as you can. It's not to develop a three. And the Thunder probably don't really have uh, a great three on the roster unless Andre Robertson uh, can be healthy. Uh, they don't really have that guy, like the big wing to develop. And Hami is is he's a bigger wing. I think he's a little bit bigger than than Ferguson is. And so, to me, I would I want to see him on the court. I want to put him on the court as much as possible. Let's develop this guy. Let's get him NBA experience. So yeah, I get your I get what you're saying, but um, I would kind of rather just play him anyways. Uh, hypothetical question. This is from a Dan Bar ninety nine. Who is more vital to the rebuild, SGA or Sam Presti? I think it's easily Sam Presti. I think SGA is important, certainly important, to to what this team does moving forward. But if you don't have a GM with a vision, with a GM that's had experience with a rebuild, uh, you're in a tough spot. I mean, go look at New Orleans. 
I mean, they had a they had a GM that did not do a great job with rebuilding around Anthony Davis, and it's not always about the star. I think management and ownership are such a huge part of this, and luck is a huge part of this. I think those three things before players are the most important things when rebuilding a franchise. It's general manager, ownership group, luck. If you don't have all of those, you're not winning a championship. You're just not. You have to have those things unless you are the Lakers and you just do whatever you want and things just turn out right for you anyways. <laughs> but there's not you can't be Oklahoma City and do that. And so SG is important, but I think they're the most important player for them is not on the roster yet. The most important player for them to win a championship is not there yet. Unless SGA just blows it up. I think SGA is a good player. I just don't see him as being like the guy on a championship team. He could be the second guy. He could be the third guy. I don't think he's the guy, though. So to me, I still think it's Sam and the work that he has to do. All right, last question. This is, comes from Concerned Thund One. He's a Concerned Thunder fan. So given the reports that Russ wasn't happy with Billy Donovan and Paul George failing to mention Billy in his official thank you goodbye to OKC, what role do you think Billy had in Russ and PG leaving? For your information, Concerned Thunder fan uh, is not a Billy fan, and he has a post on Reddit to explain why. And then he has a follow-up question. Um, do you think that there's any chance Billy coaches past the upcoming season? Would you be okay with that? I feel like most fan bases would be rightfully upset with Billy currently remaining the head coach any longer than would be, and it would be cruel and unusual punishment for him to continue to be. Okay. I get it. I get it. It's, It's easy to throw stones at Billy. I think that in the end, Russell was not super happy with Billy. I have no indication that Paul was unhappy with him. I think those guys operate separately. And just because Paul didn't thank him doesn't mean that he doesn't think anything of Billy. Billy was part of the reason that he came back to Oklahoma City. So I'm not, so I think Paul we can remove from that. Russell, I think, is another, is a different animal in any, in every way. I think that there was some discontent between him and Billy. You saw it in the 2020 20 game where Billy tried to pull him out and Russell waved him off. Like, that's weird. It was an awkward interaction. I think by the end, I think Russell wasn't going to tell them to fire Billy. I don't think they had, like, a bad relationship. Um, but I think that had they been had they moved forward with Russ and Paul, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Thunder tried to make a change. And... I think if Russ and Paul and I talked about I talk about this later with McKelly that if they came to him and say we need to make a change they may have done that if it was just Russell I don't know I don't know if they would have or not um, I don't place a lot of blame on Billy Donovan I think that he is a part of the team not maximizing their potential sure I also think that coaching Russell Westbrook is an incredibly difficult thing to do and if they were going to move forward with Russell I would prefer them to find another coach now. If you're coaching a young team that needs development, I think it's fair to say that Billy Donovan's a guy that you would want to have around for a developing team. I think he's done a tremendous job with Terrence Ferguson. I think he did a tremendous job with Jeremy Grant. I think he's done a great job with Steven. And so, and we've also seen Hami. Like, he looked great in Summer League. Part of that is Billy Donovan's development and the coaching staff's development. Now, the coaching staff is going to look different. We don't have any news updates on that on who's going to take those spots uh, but it that remains to be 
a pretty interesting storyline. But And we also don't know, is Billy going to be okay with sticking around for a rebuild? He might be. He might not be. I don't know. We haven't really heard from Billy. Uh, but if he sticks around, I think that it's a it's a good thing for this team. I think that overall you can see players that are young, that get NBA experience, that learn how to play, and Billy's a good teacher. Now, Billy Donovan's going to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I know that it's not based on what he's done here in the NBA, but he's a good developer, he's a good coach, and he's a guy, to me, he may not be the guy to deliver you a championship, but I think that he's a, a good guy to develop players, and he's he's learning too. I mean, as professional adults, like we're, we're all learning, and to think that like somebody's going to stay the same or not get any better, I, I think Billy's interested in getting better. I don't think that he's some guy that's going to stay stagnant and not get any better and not change. I think that he's a guy that's learning the NBA too, and he's had a new team every single year that involves Russell Westbrook, and Russell's not the easiest guy to coach. And so I think that Billy needs some slack. I do think that there is some blame to put on Billy Donovan, and I think if they were going to go for it these next two years, my preference would have been to let Billy go and to bring in somebody, a new voice. I think the team needed some kind of shakeup. Obviously the shakeup was... Uh, very different than what I imagined it would be, but I think the team needed a, a shakeup. Certainly, certainly. So uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks for all the questions. You guys are always awesome. You guys are super smart fans. You guys know what's up, and I appreciate the questions. They're all really smart and, and geared in the right direction. Um, there's no, there's not a lot of hot takey questions in there. I think you guys are really interested in, in learning about basketball and learning about the game, and um, so am I. And so it's cool that we get to all kind of do this together. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, here's the rest of the interview with McKelly again. I apologize for the, the sound quality, but um, I'm trying to get better too. So <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk again Wednesday. With me today is my good friend, McKelly Barra. McKelly, what is up? Hello, darkness, smiles, friend. <laughs> oh, the original dude. plan was to put the real song, but since I'm driving, I'm in heavy traffic, I, I couldn't give the, the original one, so I had to improvise. Right. Oh, man. I called you and woke you up Thursday night, which was like at 2.30 a.m. or something for you. Um, yeah. You thought I was messing with you. <laughs> And it was, it just, oh, it's still, I just can't believe Russell Westbrook is a rocket. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think from a logical standpoint, which I realize it's pretty hard to do, uh, it is the best place for us to have another bite of the apple. Because let's be honest, I mean, Miami, Miami is a nice destination, like it's a fine team, but Houston has way more chances to be relevant next season than Miami. Miami can go first round, yes. Second round, maybe. Houston has a different structure, has a bona fide superstar, probably one of the top five players in the league in James Harden, and... And a guy who played with Russ. So it stings. It stings quite a lot that it has to be Houston. But if you, 
if you look at it from a like a logical standpoint, it's not Russ trying to mock us or to do something that hurts uh, OKC's fans, but it's something that probably gives him the best chance to do to, to have a successful season. I mean, there's no doubt that you're right. I mean, this is definitely a move of Russell doing what he believes is best for him. Uh, but it's just kind of funny. It's funny that I think that myself included in this statement that fans think that players like understand like the fan dynamics, you know, or even maybe even care is the right phrase about the fan dynamics because. You know, like, Russell's, like, prided himself on being loyal and, and things of that nature. Like, the loyal move is definitely not going to Houston. And going to Houston is definitely not, like, the best move in terms of fan base for Russell. And some of the, and those people have started to turn a little bit. But that, that fan base hated Russell more than just about anybody. You know, it's just, it makes you realize, like, how little these players think about those kind of things. And and Russell's probably like, you know, whatever. Like, people are going to hate me no matter what I do. So I'm just going to go do what's best for me. And, you know, the Thunder didn't... Thunder were presented with another pretty good option when, it, when you really yeah. think about it. Because there was pressure put on Daryl Morey to get a deal done. One, I don't believe any of the stuff about Chris Paul... That they that's coming out of Houston's camp, saying things like, "Oh, well, you know, we wouldn't. We, this has nothing to do with the relationship between Chris Paul and James Harden." I mean, I think of course it does. One of those of first round, one of those first round picks tells you it does because if anybody would have told you, or if you would have gone on the low post with Zach Lowe and Howard Beck and sat next to them as they're drinking their beverages and said, "Hey." I know you're saying all this stuff, but the Thunder are getting two first-round picks and two pick swaps for Russell Westbrook. They would have just laughed you out of the restaurant. I mean, they yeah. would have thought that that was crazy. And the Thunder got that for Russell, and it's be partly because they had pressure because they needed to deal Chris Paul, and it was going to be really hard to do that. And then, two, I think there was pressure from James Harden to Daryl Morey to get this deal done. And then... Sam Presti found himself in another situation where pressure was created outside of the Thunder organization with one of their stars to get more than they probably deserved in a trade. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good read. And I do think that the interest of Miami um, gave Presti a little bit of leverage. We don't know the details of the offer if if my if even if even Miami did one officially, uh, but I think that at least one of Tyler Hero and Justin Wieslow was on the table, mm-hmm. and um, like from a mathematical point of view, having two first round picks, even if they are top four protected, is a better uh, return for Russ's contract if somehow Presti can flip Paul for a net zero trade. Like, I wonder, and, and we will analyze this trade better once the CP3 deal is done. Yeah. Um, but as of now, I think that the return that, they, that, that Presti got is, is incredible. I wonder what's the protection 
in the coming years, like after the, um, the initial year of the first round pick, like for example, it's one through four in 2024. What's the what's the protection in 2025? Right. Because if it goes immediately to second rounders, then it gets shaky because Houston can be a very bad team by 2024. Like, we are talking like lottery bad. I mean, Harden can be out of Houston. Uh, Westbrook is um, is no longer, no longer under contract. So there is plenty of, of things that can go wrong for Houston. And so if it is just a one-year shot, then maybe you can say, well... The, having Tyler Hero could be a better uh, return. But we already seen like guys shine in the Summer League. Like Jared Bayless was a Summer League sensation and the bad player afterwards. Mm-hmm. So you never know. I mean, um, I, I think that if you, if you insulate yourself for a second, getting Chris Paul plus two first rounder plus protected swaps is a great return. Um, I think also that it is a great return also because we we were kind of like the national media drove the conversation where to the point where Russell Westbrook was a bad asset. And I never thought that to be the case, mm-hmm. mainly because if you media, the same media, Zach Lowe included, vote Russ as a, as a third team All-NBA, it means that he is one of the six best guards in the league. Yeah. Like, you don't want to give a 30% max, 35% max to the six best guard in the league? What are we talking about? Like, max contract should be for top 10 players in their role. Not top top six, just top 10. So, Russell is having a contract that I think a couple of franchises at least, like, if Russ was a free agent today, I, I, I can guarantee you there are at least, I would say, 20% of the teams in the league that could ha- have given him a max contract. I- I'm positive of that, especially in a, in a free agency where you have a lot of money to spend. So all this contract stuff, I think it's, it's kind of pointless. Russ is a star, and he's a better durability than Chris Paul, or at least as of today. Mm-hmm. And he can sustain the offense whenever Harden sits. Now, it's tricky to think about their chemistry on the court, but to be fair, Andrew, is none of our concern. <laughs> it's true. It's fascinating, though. I mean, it's a fascinating... Yes, it, is. it is. I mean, I'm going to watch Houston more this next year than probably I ever have. Um, of course. It's, it's going to be fascinating to watch him. And I think it's going to put the fan base in a weird place because I don't think that suddenly this Houston Rockets team is going to be playing a beautiful brand of basketball. It's going to be the oh, same no. stuff. Like if people think that James Harden, oh, James Harden's going to be running off the ball, you know, setting screens, like dream on. Like <laughs> James Harden's going to be doing the same stuff, the same ISO. And when it's Chris Paul in the wing, you have to close out really hard. Because he can shoot it. When it's Russell Westbrook, who shot 29% from three, it becomes a really interesting thing. And he, I think he'll shoot it better this next year. I've thought that he would shoot it better if he was in OKC. And so it's only fair for me to say that he's going to shoot it better this year 
for Houston. Clearly, um, yes. But still, it, that that only matters if people guard you, right? Yeah. And people weren't guarding Russell. That was a huge part of why the playoffs were so difficult, why everything was so difficult down the stretch for this team, is that people weren't guarding Russell until he got within 10 feet. And so yeah. it becomes that's it's an interesting thing to watch for as the season unfolds for Houston is are people guarding Russell? Do they care that he has the ball out on the perimeter? Because the answer was nobody cared, you know, toward the yeah. end of the season in OKC. And it, and it was, they were right. You know, they were right to do it. It really messed with Russell when they did that. So um, I think yeah. it's something to watch for. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's almost, uh, it adds to the interesting part, the fact that James Harden was on the phone with Maury saying, like, I know how to play with him. And, I mean, it's true. I mean, they, they, they know each other. Playing mm-hmm. together for years matters. Matters a lot, even if it's seven years ago. But, like, initial commitment for a star is extremely important. Like, the fact that Harden was on Russ's train, basically, saying, well, bring him here. We'll figure it out. And, again, too many times we discount the following. Last year's Thunder were a good team, even a great team in January by having uh, an MVP candidate, which Houston will have in James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. So, like, the same offense that we saw basically crush in the playoffs was an offense that was able to be a top five offense in January with the same supporting guys. By just having a guy who was hitting incredible shots. Guess mm-hmm. what? James Harden has done this for the past three seasons. And to have Russell Westbrook there, there is something that has never been discussed in Paul George going to the Clippers. And it's the following. West- Russell Westbrook passed the ball very well. And especially if you're a good player that knows how to position himself, uh, how to position yourself in, on the court, you will get great passes out of Russ. And Paul benefited a ton by having Russell Westbrook passing him the ball perfectly. So I wonder if this will impact James Harden as well. Because if you have Russell Westbrook passing the ball to you in transition, passing the ball to you while you curl, I know that that, that Harden uh, in the in the last two, three years, has not done a ton of cutting. But Chris Paul was having the, the ball in his hand for a good amount of time in Houston. And Harden was useful. So I think that there is a chance that that offense is a great one. Now, on the other, on the other side of the court, Paul George is a top three player, while no one between Harden and, and Westbrook will be a plus defensive player next year. So Houston will lose kind of that identity. But um, on the offensive part, I mean, you can have, and you had a great offense with Westbrook. It's just that Westbrook plus two under 25 players and a hurt Paul George is not enough to play in the playoffs. That, that, that is what the history told us. Not that the Thunder were kind of bad. Yeah. I mean, something to consider. Russell Westbrook hasn't had a below 30 usage rate since his second year in the league. Yeah. And Chris Paul's usage rate was 22 last year. Yeah. 
and he's extremely unhappy with it. I just, I just wonder because like Russell's last three years, he had a forty percent usage rate in the now I do what I want season. Thirty-two. Yeah. The season fun following. Fun times, Fun times. It was super Those fun. Ones. It was the greatest, and his stats were unbelievable that year. And then 30 percent last year for usage. Yeah. So I. I don't know what that balance looks like, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think ultimately that the Houston this trade will be determined good or bad based upon their playoff success, and with the way that the West stacks up, I have a hard time believing that they're going to end up on the right end of this, because there are so many good teams in the Western Conference that it's just ridiculous. I mean, the Clippers are at the top of it, you know, when it comes to playoff time. Their star power and their depth, and we know, like, Paul George was that MVP, you know, candidate for us, and they get Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> the guy that just won the NBA championship. Um, like, And they've got all, like, they have Lou Williams coming off the bench, they've got Pat Beverly, they've got, they've got a ton of guys, and they're going to be super good. Like, I don't think Houston's better than them. Uh, a healthy LeBron James and a healthy Anthony Davis, which is it's an if for both of them, if they're healthy, uh, that team's going to be unbelievable. I think people are underrating how good the Lakers are going to be. Uh, yeah. Utah is going to be really good and going to be a really good defensive team, and they're going to share the ball like crazy. I, I think that maybe Houston's better than Utah. Um and then Denver is another team. They're up and coming. They've got our guy Jeremy Grant, who honestly was a missing piece for them. They needed another yeah. guy that could play that position, protect the rim, and shoot it. And so it's it's important. And another thing, like the argument of, oh, well, Russell Westbrook has never played with as many shooters as Houston has. And I I would argue that he, he did last year, <laughs> you know. Jeremy Grant shot 39% from three. Paul George, 38%. Terrence Ferguson, 36 And then Dennis Schroeder yeah. was 34 That's four guys, 34% and above. The yeah. guys that really played for Houston, like Daniel House was 41%. Great, he's going to play with them. P.J. Tucker, 37%. He's going to play with them. James Harden, 36%. He's going to play with them. And then Eric Gordon, 36%. He's going to play with him. And that's it. Like you talk, like Austin Rivers, he shot 32% from three last season. He'll play with him too, but he did yeah. not shoot it well. Iman Shumpert, yeah. if they get him to come back, he shot 29% from three. You know, yeah. there's, <laughs> I, I, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. You're going to be playing with a, a big, it's, it's still the same problem that we had with Russell and Steven with Clint Capella. And it's, can you play a non-shooting big with Russell Westbrook? And I think they're going to find themselves having to play when they play that core group, probably sitting Capella and putting P.J. Tucker at center to have the most effective lineup. And I think that they will find that to be absolutely true. And then it becomes a really tough thing with, like, who do you play on the wing? Because they don't really have a lot of wings. And who are you playing in those other spots? I think that becomes a little bit tricky. Uh, 
but to say that like the and that's just something that people like to say that oh the Thunder just don't have any shooting at all. If you want to count guys that shot, you know Marcus or Markeith Morris was not great for OKC. He shot thirty four percent from three. You know, like he had guys that could shoot it. That was not the problem. That was that that was never the problem. The problem last year with Russell is that nobody nobody felt like they had to guard him at, on the perimeter. I think that was the the biggest problem with Russell last year. It had to me, it didn't have a whole lot to do with not having enough around him because he had Paul, yeah, and, Paul George on the perimeter. Like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's one other well, a point in this is you mentioned uh, Harden's and Eric Gordon's numbers, and those numbers are, I think, lower than their real value as shooters because, like. You can argue that having a 36% shooter in Eric Gordon is much more valuable than having a 39% three-point shooter in in Jeremy Grant. Because you will never leave Eric Gordon open as you do with Jeremy Grant. And the reason why is the volume and the respect that Grant commands. So, you know, the Russell will give him like three, four shots a game. Like, if you leave... Eric Gordon open, Ross will give him eight shots. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the point. I mean, it's never about, it's never just about your percentage. It's about your perception and the volume. Like, Eric Gordon can, can have a game where he hoists 15 trees, and that's fine. I mean, Grant, never, never, ever. You will never bet on that. With Gordon, if you say it's more likely that he takes more than 10 trees in five games next year than not, you would say, of course, yes. With Grant, it's a straight-up no. And so I wonder if, if this will have an effect, an effect on Ross as well. Like, I know that he trusts his teammates to a degree, but Ross was giving Melo way more chances and he was giving Ferguson and Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. And you can argue that they both deserve more than Melo. And so, Russ has, like many superstars, I think, respect for your status in the league. And, and this will play a role. I mean, I don't know how much big of a role, uh, but, I, but I do expect the lineups with Capella working as as it was in the past with Steven Adams, like where you had that spread pick and roll and dunks. Because because having Harden, CP3, and Tucker will be enough for us to orchestrate a, a spread pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question. Over under 18 field goal attempts for Russell Westbrook next season. Uh, I think that's that's a good over-under, because I, I think it's pretty in line. But if I have to bet, I would bet uh, probably over. But between 18 and 20, it's my bet. Yeah. If that's if he shoots 20 per game, that's eight less shots for Gordon, Capella, Tucker than they were getting last year. Yeah, I know. So, I, I mean, know. like, that's, that, that's not insignificant. No. And we, all, we, we also, I mean, I would put the under on, like, five threes. 
or at least let's put it this way. If un if Russ goes under on both, like under five threes and under 18 shots, Houston is in a pretty good place. They're in a much better place. Yeah. It, with with yeah. that scenario, no doubt. It'll just it'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see what Dan Tony can do, because he's not he's not exactly been the best manager of personalities, and Russell Westbrook yeah. maybe is the biggest personality out there. I don't know what what is. It's probably my uh, GPS saying me that I'm going too fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry for sorry. I'm sorry for the quality, really, but it's it's a mess. That's okay. This, this, yeah, about the coach though. I mean, there was a report of Russell Westbrook having um, interest in playing for D'Antoni, and that made me think. Like, D'Antoni is a good coach. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. But I found it weird that there was discontent in Paul George and Westbrook was reported. And then Russ goes with, I'm interested in playing for this guy mm-hmm. that never won a championship. And, yeah, he put up good offenses, but so did OKC with Billy for stretches. So I wonder if, one of the demands that Russ and, and Paul did last season was, well, we want to change. And Presti said, no, this is our franchise, and I will not go down that road where Superstar will tell me how to run my, uh, my business. Because it felt strange that Billy stayed, and it feels more strange now. It's, it's not that Presti intentionally sent away Paul and, and, and Russ. But I wonder if he wanted to give a line and say, well, we will not cross this line. You as a player can do many things. Deciding who is the coach is not one of them. That, I think that could be the case. I think that could be the case. I think that if Russ and Paul came to Billy Donovan and said, hey, we'll run this back, but we need to get a new coach. I think that Billy, or I think that Billy would be gone. I, I think they would have complied. I do have, also, also, yeah, I do. And then, okay. on the other hand, I do think that Russell's grip on the franchise was not... I think the the franchise was pushing Russell away more more so as well. Like they didn't want Russell controlling stuff like that either. But I think if it was Russell yeah, and Paul exactly. together, if they want Russell and Paul together, if they yeah. both came and said that, then I I think they would have been they would have said sure. Yeah, we'll go get yeah, somebody let's, else. Let's put just the Russ part. Like, what if it's Russ that comes to your door and say, "I want this." I think that Ru- I think that Russell's Russell's complicated in so many ways, and I I I don't even know how to put this delicately. Um, I I think it. I'll just say I'll just leave it with this. I don't I don't know how to say this the right way. I think it was best for everybody for the for the change. I'll say that. I think it was time for everybody. At this point, especially after Paul left, 
Um, oh yeah, of course. And I, 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 I think that it's the best thing for the team moving forward um, to get as many bites of the apple as they can get to rebuild, and for Russell to be able to to move on. Um, I think that it will be refreshing for Houston because I think they're going to get a, a really good player back, and I think it's going to be refreshing for the organization and for the Thunder to to have a fresh start. I think that, and I'll stop there. I don't want to say too much. Um, I have a question for you, a quick question for you. Okay. Uh, how, in a scale from fresh fruit to uh, French fries, <laughs> <laughs> sorry for borrowing the ketchup scale, um, how mad I am if I spend like half of my weekend uh, watching clips of 2020 draft classes, draft players, like Omar Ballo, guy from Mali, who is like 6'11", uh, he's, he's from 2000, he's born in 2002, and will play for Gonzaga next season. How mad I am. <laughs> how, how crazy I am. Oh, how crazy are you? Not crazy, Yeah, yeah, man. how crazy. No. Yeah. Not crazy at all. That's this, this is the new era for the Thunder, is figuring out who's going to be good in the draft and what they should do with these picks and um, just, I mean, this is, this is where we're at, you know, and developing SGA and developing Terrence Ferguson, developing Hamadou Diallo and, you know, figuring out like where Gallinari should go. So, I mean, like that's, that's where we're at. And so I'm going to go to some questions. I've only got a few minutes left. Um, but uh, do you have this is from at Sam Presti okay do you have any Gallinari destinations yeah I was I was thinking about uh, possible destinations um, I kind of like for different reasons Minnesota okay because they have they, they, they had Sarge and think with Sarge uh, were working pretty well I would say, and they have to renounce it in order to acquire a cover, but what if they give you a first-round pick in Jeff Teague? I know that yeah. we have a million point guards, but, I mean, uh, you, you probably save a bit of money, or you put in Nader, you, you do maybe Patterson, because they, they are not in the tax, and so they can maybe absorb a little bit more of salary, and you get back Teague and um, a first-round pick. Yeah. I think that's a great trade for the Thunder because that's like a first round pick in the teens, most yeah. likely. Yeah. Um, and probably a lottery pick. Yeah. I mean, if you can sell them on that early, I mean, done. Deal done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they will be the eighth seed. And so it's, 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 I think it's a top 20 pick. And for Gallo, that's that's good value. You can even say let's protect it to one through five for the next two seasons uh, or the next three seasons, and um, and then it goes to two seconds because I mean, if Minnesota strikes like five, three times in the draft, who cares? But yeah. I think it gives them um, a good look to a power forward that get, that will not play any defense uh, or roughly none. But um, but you can. I think it, it mesh well, meshes well 
with uh, with towns since things were working okay with charge. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting destination. That's a pick that I would be very interested in if I'm the Thunder, um, depending on what the protections are. Uh, I think that that would be a really interesting destination for him. Uh, Portland is obviously another one. Yeah. They yeah. need a power forward. If you can get a first-round pick out of them, you got Gallinari. I mean, you could Gallinari and Patterson for Hassan Whiteside after Yusuf, after Yusuf Nurkic gets healthy would work, and you get a first-round pick back. I think that, like, trading for... You can do it now. You get a first-round pick and or Zach Collins, and you basically swap um, even if the salaries don't match exactly, so you maybe have to do some cap maneuvering, um, you get back Kent Bazemore. They really don't need Bazemore. They need way more a guy like Alinari. And yeah. so I think that if you do Gallo for Bazemore and then you maybe, uh, well, Gallo for Bazemore is great for OKC because you get, you go immediately uh, at the tax line or maybe uh, a couple of hundred thousand. You're right um, there. If you wave Nader, which yeah. they have to do it today, if they're going to wave Nader, we're having another. They have to wave Nader today podcast, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that those two moves you get you get back a first round pick and or Zach Collins, and then if it, if it's Zach Collins, then probably you are again above the tax. But for a guy like him, I would kind of pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that a trade like this is good, and maybe you wait. Until say December 15, and you you talk Nerons Noel into going there. Uh, you, you trade Gallo and Nerons, and you get back Zach Collins and and Ken Bazemore. You don't have to do it now. Mm-hmm. And if, if if you get back Zach Collins, the pick is not really necessary. Maybe you get a sweetener like a second round pick or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you get Zach Collins, that's great. I think that's yeah. great value. And Gallinari is, I think people forget how good he is and like adding Gallinari to Dame, CJ, Nurkic, Rodney Hood, that team, that raises their ceiling pretty significantly. And plus they don't really have anybody at the four. Like who plays the four for them, you know, day one. I mean, it's probably Zach and he's not really a four. Yeah, um, it kills their spacing. Well, Gallinari keeps you space, like a ton of space. Oh, he's he's perfect. He's perfect for them. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I think that those two teams, while they are Northwest Division opponents, uh, that doesn't quite matter as much today. Um, I've also thought about Utah. Like, Gallo's a Utah guy, you know? Like, I yeah. Think, and I don't, I don't know if they'd be willing to give up Ingles in the deal, or if like a swap of Ingles and Gallinari makes sense. Uh, yeah, for them probably, but they, it's, they are short on salary, so they have to include Axum to make yeah, it work probably. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you may have like the issue with that trade to me is what if you if you do the deal with Portland and Bazemore comes to your door and say and says, well, I I want out. You say, okay. Oh, be my guest. You leave like two millions on the table. Be free to go wherever you want, mm-hmm. um, because I I already got my 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 asset. Whereas if I trade with with Utah, where is the asset? 
Like right. you can flip Joe Ingles again, but it gets tricky. Maybe the Lakers will will get him, but what what is the asset that you get from them? Maybe the Clippers will be interested to get a guy like Joe Ingles, but again, where's the asset? So it's trickier. I think that you don't think you can get a first rounder for Ingles at the deadline. I don't think so. It's it's easier. Well, let's put it this way: it's much easier to get a first round pick, a good one even, for Gallinari now or at the deadline than one for Ingles. If I flip Gallinari, I get the asset immediately. And then mm-hmm. think about it later. Like Russ, I want the asset immediately. Then maybe, maybe I'll get something or I'll, I'll adjust things for CP3. But I want the asset now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Uh, if Dallas gave up their first round pick, would you do it for Tim Hardaway Jr.? Uh, no, one first round pick is not enough. Like that that contract is is really toxic. It's bad. It's two it's two years. So if you give me one for Gallo and one for the contract, yeah, but Gal- Dallas will not do that. What if he gave you a first round pick and Jalen Brunson? I, I don't care about Jalen Brunson. <laughs> no, I mean to be fair, I, I I haven't seen him play that much to have yeah. a a good opinion. Um, and but but I don't think. Would you, let's 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 um, ask you from this point of view. Would you give up a first round pick for him? For Brunson? Yeah. Mm, probably not. Yeah. Then you get the answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I need two first for the two firsts for that contract, and yeah. um, I don't think Dallas have that. Well, if you do like Schroeder for for Hardaway, then yeah, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's probably to, you want to free up space for she, for Shea Gilgis Alexander. The, the the defense is kind of washy between the two, uh, and so it's it's okay. I mean, it's swapping salary that you don't want for salary that you probably don't want either. Yeah. So would you? So you could do Patterson and Schroeder for Hardaway. Yeah, I would do that. I don't care. I mean, it's fine. It's a reworking of a salary that that makes sense for me, uh, because you 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 have in Hardaway a guy that you may be able to play uh, and and showcase a little bit, and so yeah, I would do that. Similarly um, to a trade that 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 crossed my mind with Minnesota as well, like trying to give them Gallo and CB3 and get back Wiggins and 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 Diang plus picks, because I think that there is a there is a, a universe where if you if you work with Wiggins long enough and and you have a good coach, maybe he will be okay by the end of the contract. Oh boy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a buy extremely low because again Minnesota would have to give you picks to get in Yang and picks for Gallo and basically you say, well, Let's swap the bad contract in Wiggins and Paul. And so you give up Paul and Gallo and you get back two picks plus a contract that you don't want in the end and one that you absolutely don't want. But both guys have a tiny bit of potential that maybe in the last year of their contracts, they will become assets. And since you don't want to win today, um, to be fair, you want to lose in order to... 
to build something with even with your own picks, maybe a move like that will make sense. Because if you can get if you can get Wiggins to be an okay player, not not a good player, but a playable guy, then his contract doesn't matter much for OKC because they will not have problems in terms of tax and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't want Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I know. Me neither. But again, it's about the picks. Think yeah. about Minnesota's picks in the future. If you can get an unprotected pick of 2024 from them, like that, that can be the most single, like the best assets in NBA history, probably. <laughs> like, Towns can be gone. Do you think they, they do be, that? Do you think they do that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But if you tell to them, well, we take in both, like Jang and and Wiggins. Mm-hmm. You give you are you're really making them happy in terms of their flexibility going forward. Yeah, I just don't want to give Andrew Wiggins. 18 shots a game on this team. Well, why, why, why do we, do we, does he have to take 18 shots? Because he's going to. I don't know. I mean, who else? I mean, I guess the question is like, who else is going to take all the shots on this team? If Chris Paul's gone, like Steven, SGA, Ferguson, Nerlens, like those guys aren't guys that take a lot of shots. Yeah, you know, but I I would be more mindful about what what kind of shot it is. Not the the number. I don't care about the the raw number eighteen. I don't. I, I'm fine with that. I would be curious to see what kind of shot this Billy designed designing for him. Yeah, I mean, Wiggins, I, I don't know. Wiggins yeah, is interesting it's, it's on great. a new team. There's. I think, yeah. but I'd rather watch from afar. Yeah, yeah, same, same. But again, it depends on the on the picks that you can get back. If you mm-hmm. can get back like really juicy assets for him, I would, I would probably pull this. Like, if you say to me, "Well, protected twenty twenty two and unprotected twenty twenty four, sign me up. That's that's the deal yeah. I want to do. Sure. Yeah, that would make sense. And you could do the Wiggins and Dang deal. For Gallinari, Schroeder, and Patterson. Yeah. And so what that does for Minnesota is that it gets them off money this next year. It gives them flexibility for next season. Yeah. For next summer. And it ties up Oklahoma City's money for quite a bit longer with the Wiggins deal for sure. Um, But it gives you a wing. He's 24 years old. Maybe you think you can do some things. I don't think you could do some things, but maybe they think they can do some things with him. Um, yeah. And maybe getting him out of Minnesota would be a good thing. But again, I would rather watch from afar. This feels like a, yeah. a very... It, without the picks, it feels like a really Nixy type deal that would be done in oh, December. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. The picks are the only reason. Like, you, don't, you do it just to take assets. Would you it's, do it for one first-round pick? 
No, 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 no. It, it needs to be two, and one needs to be unprotected. Okay. It, 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 like, it's very specific. That's why it doesn't happen. But it, it will not happen. But the point is, the, the when and the, the protection are extremely relevant to this matter. And I will take a lot of heat tomorrow, probably, uh, <laughs> because, uh, because like, fans will tell me, wow, you're insane, you want Wiggins. I don't want Wiggins. I want Jang and Wiggins because they can lead me to a pick that five years from now can be your generational talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the only factor. And in the meantime, since I, 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 I want to, to give my development system, uh, my, my coach, there's at least one thing we know he can do well is developing. He developed the young waiters for crying out loud. Like, Waiters was a better player in OKC and the year afterwards mm-hmm. than it was in, in his entire career because he was committed, because he was taking right shots. He, he basically renounced with the entire mid-range shots. He was taking two a game. Like, if Wiggins can do something like that, just shoot threes, use your athleticism, and I give you space to do that, then maybe he is like a 15 to 18 points per game player that learns how to play in a structure, in a structure, well, I cannot use words as of now, in a system with structure. Mm-hmm. Because don't, don't, don't forget that Towns and Wiggins have bad habits. Because in the first years of, her, of their um, NBA life, they weren't in a good system. They weren't in a good place. Now they are, but like, maybe damage has been done and a change of, scen- of, of scenario for them um, can be helpful. Yeah, that could be the case. Uh, McKelly, I've got to run. Thanks for coming on the show today as you are driving through... Are you driving through Milan still? No, I'm past Milan. I'm going uh, close to Venice to visit one of the company's concrete plants, oh, cement plants. Okay, awesome. McKelly, thanks for coming yeah. on. Follow him on Twitter at MikeyBerra. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht on Twitter. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. If you're a new listener, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed. You can subscribe on any podcast platform. You can even listen on Alexa. Um, so please, please continue to do that. Uh, I have to read Fred Katz's tweet real quick before we go, and then one more thing. Um, Fred Katz's question was, does Sam now creepily sign his texts with, please send pics? <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the greatest uh, Twitter questions I've ever gotten. Um, so shout out to Fred. And uh, if we're looking for sponsors currently, so if you uh, work for a company uh, that's local to Oklahoma City, great. If it's not local, that's fine too. We have listeners uh, throughout the country, worldwide even. So if you have a company that is looking to do some advertising, uh, we have very favorable numbers right now and can help reach a pretty wide audience. Um, So if you're interested, just email me, uh, dtdpodcast at gmail.com. I'd be glad to send you the rates and and what that would look like. You can even DM me at Andrew K. Schlecht, um, and we can start our conversation there. But uh, look for sponsors, and we'd love to have you. Hope you guys have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday with Alex Spears.